just just about doing, mate. Surely. There you go. That's outstanding. That much talent running around in our own backyard. Ladies and gentlemen, the semi-pros. The semi-pros. Ladies and gentlemen, you the skull. Welcome along to the semi-pros for another week. Great to have your company wherever you may be tuning in to us. Huge show again this week. Cruise with me. Troy Gursky, how are you? A little bit dark. Right, mate. Yeah. yeah. What's that, buddy? A little bit dark over there. Were you oh, mood lighting or something? Yeah, a bit of mood lighting. Um, in the dungeon. In the dungeon, exactly. No, how's uh looks like a bit of sports around the corner, isn't it? So mm. looks like the NRL's going and we might see a see a bit of sport out in the grounds, which would be nice. And on the yeah. TVs. Yeah, yeah, a bit of happening. Steve Glover, mm. how are you going? Mate, very well. Busy week, flying, plenty happening. Yeah. That's it. Pl- yeah, plenty making news this week. Uh, any vaccinations? And I'll tell you what, old Bryce Cartwright ruffled a few feathers, <laughs> and uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, might the... pop up. Like, might pop up later on. Yeah, the flu needle. I've never had a flu needle. No, I got it once about eight years ago because my mother worked in a doctor's surgery. Got the flu. Never had it again. Ridiculous. Yeah, I had it for the first time ever a couple of weeks ago. You crying? Against my will, like Bryce. No, for different reasons. I've been over to the police. I thought I haven't had this thing in my life. Why should I start now? But anyway, so I sort of mm. got the ultimatum, go down, got mm. the jab. So haven't had flu or cold or anything since. But but what do you reckon? Should he be allowed to play? No? No. Well, I, I, read no. Some, I was watching something with um, Gallon and them, and Gal raised a pretty good point. He said, well, if the rest of them have had it, then what's it matter? Because they've had the, the needle against it, haven't they? So what's it matter if he does or doesn't? He's the only one's going to get the flu on their theory. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Steve, what are you reckon? What were you saying? Possibly. No, I listened to a good thing this morning, actually, and, that, and written into it becomes a workplace health and safety, an all health and safety requirement of, of that workplace being the NRL. So um, it's basically, but it, it's like but not, not wearing... Um, Protective equipment when you're cutting a lump of steel or something. If you choose not to do it, then you're against the PPE the, the guidelines. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, being all your swims and that sort of stuff, wouldn't it, Steve? Knowing, you know, your good swims that you have and that sort of stuff, your safe work method statements and things you'd have on your Paragon sites. I do, mate. Do you want a copy? I can forward it over email in about 30 <laughs> seconds if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Just well, but mind you, the NRL's the boss, aren't they? Correct. That's right. You know, they're, they're your employer. If that's what they say you're going to do, you, you know, if you don't want to do it, you don't get paid. Simple as that. So, I, I like another one too. At one point, yeah. they said that it'll soon test their belief anyway when they say you're not getting paid, won't it? Yeah. Well, the other fellow was him, Kelly. He he changed his mind quick. Yeah, yeah few of them changed their mind quick, smart, didn't they? Was his religion though? I think he he said the old religion I, thing, didn't he? Not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the reason. But would I? Am I being out of line here and saying that? From some tight, if you're a Titans fan, you prefer Bryce wasn't playing, wouldn't you? Seriously, yeah, pleading him not to get it. Maybe he's getting paid not to get it. Seriously, he's like, I know they're not going that well in general, but mm. he's been one of the greatest disappointments since he lobbed on the glitter strip, hadn't he? Yeah. Mm. He, he is perfect to our our segment, Rocks and Dimes, isn't he? 100%. It's Tell us some good him. stuff and absolute garbage. 
And Easy loves Beardy. an offload. He loves pushing one. Mm. Mm. I think we've got hey, a, a special special guest backstage anyway tonight, mate. So ready to, to rock and roll. Exactly. Do you want to introduce him? Oh, we've got a video. Special guest joining us on the show tonight is none other than Brad Newley. He's up next. I think. Cue the video. Good defense, but better offense. That possession. To short Katie. Gave it a look. Newly dropped a couple. Drops this one. And that's huge. It's a good meter behind the three-point line. And Kate, look what he has to Newly saves it. They all come at him and he's good enough to lift it over them into the glass. So Aussie Hoop star Brad Newley joins us on the show. How are you? I'm well, thanks, guys. How are we? I'm just sitting in the yes. backstage there having a little listen to you guys. In- interesting topics all around the world of sport at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just for those that are watching in our video, where are you? You're an interesting backdrop. I'm um, in my daughter's uh, stay-at-home classroom. So it's only working two days a week now. Three days, so. Okay, Slowly yeah. winding that down, but yeah, this is the the best room for sound in my house at the moment. And Excellent. how's that transition been, mate? Pro basketballer to, to homeschool teacher. Yeah, I do the PE lessons, which go for about fifteen <laughs> minutes around three o'clock every day with with my son as well. So that's my input into schooling. That you'd be very popular then. So look, Brad, on a basketball front at the moment. Not much happening, obviously, but what is the situation for you guys, professional basketballs at the moment through the NBL, obviously off-season, as we know, you're having a break now as is, but very, very different off-season and uncertain with what's happening moving forward. So what is happening? Yeah, I mean, as you know, in that clip show before, we were in, in the finals and all that stuff and they got caught, caught uh, brought short due to the uh, the COVID situation. Um, probably about a month ago now that the players met with the NBL, players union met with the NBL and through our representatives, we, they've come up with, a, I guess, a, an, an idea that, you know, we, we have to take a bit of a pay hit and, um, you know, if you want to be on board, you, you, can, you can take it. If you don't want to be on board, you can leave it and you, and you can stay unpaid. So basically, we've kind of taken a bit of a hit in the short term to help help the, the league survive because we, we don't rely on TV and those kind of things and kind of taking a bit of relief off, off the owners' pockets for the, for the short term, in, in hope that things can get back up, up and running in, in the near future, but it's it's still a lot up in the air. It's out of our control. It's it's a lot of government decisions that need to happen. But how was that? We saw the footage there, and and generally, a, a, that was a grand final series against Perth. Like you'd be playing out in front of packed stadiums, there'd be chocolate block, especially over in Perth. There, I think. Well, you guys fit about twenty thousand too, I think, don't you? And to have, I think you had a limit of five hundred. People was it two fifty to start with? Yeah. Mate, what was how? How was the like? Obviously, it's going to be a, a, generally a game you're up for. You pump full of emotion. How was it? Was it? It obviously was different. But how how did it feel going into those sort of games, knowing there there was nobody there? Yeah, I mean, like it, it was pretty disappointing because um, you know we had such a fantastic year. We had we stayed on top all year and played in front of some. Fantastic crowds. I think we had seventeen and a half thousand for one of our games, and you know we get to the end of the year where you need that fan support, and it's kind of taken away from us. 
I guess through through a circumstance which we probably won't won't see again for a very long time. Um, it, it was tough, but like to be honest, when, once the ball goes in the air, you kind of you're on, and you know you take the crowd out of it. I mean, a small example I could use, I guess, I'm there shooting my free throws, and I can hear my two year old son yelling, "Dad!" Like clearly as <laughs> clear as day, more than what the opposition fans were just yeah. hearing, wondering if he was all right. Um, so. Yeah, it was an unusual situation, and the way it finished out, it was, just, it was like a bit of a very empty feeling. And I guess a lot of us have been struggling with how to deal with it in the last six or so weeks since what it's been since then. But um, you know, that's, that's you look at other sports; some aren't going. No, like it, it's just the way the world is right now. And um, you know, hopefully things clear up and we can get back out there soon. Brad, that Brad, the decision to to not play. So we know the series obviously didn't go the full five. Um, how hard was that from the Kings point of view? Like we read or heard you know, bits and pieces. Obviously there was a very emotional meeting and, and players thoughts and, and uh, Andrew Bogut's had quite a lot to say about it as he, as he tends to do obviously, but can you give us an insight in, you know, not, you know within the, the realms of that, that decision and how that came about and how tough that was as a group to make the call that, that you ultimately did. Yeah, we, we had a lot of factors in our team, which probably a lot of people from the outside weren't aware of. Um, our assistant coach, he, he's he's based in Germany, and he had a, a, his partner and child over there. Um, we had we had four American players involved with our team, and a Brazilian guy as well. And there there was a, a point in time where, had we travelled to Perth, potentially we could have got stuck there for quite a while, and these guys wouldn't have been able to fly out and go and see their families. Um, a couple of players had had ill ill family members back in California. I mean, in the meantime, California is getting locked down, so there was a bit of stuff coming from from the foreigners, which a lot of us had played overseas before and, and felt kind of we'd never been in this situation. We knew what they were going through, not having family members around, all that kind of stuff. And I guess that kind of put us on the same page as, as how they were feeling. Um, that, that had a bit to do with it. We had an independent doctor come in and, and point out some things, and one of the questions we said to him said, mate, if you had to go to a wedding this Friday, and that's when it, when game four would have been, would you go? And he said, absolutely not. And we all kind of looked at each other and went, well, what does that have to say? And th there's a few other little bits and pieces. Like there, there was someone who had COVID on Perth's flight back from when they played us, and we, we weren't aware of that. And there was all these little bits and pieces that, that popped up and – uh, it just—it was a real tough circumstance, and I guess in the long run, now we look back and we kind of say, "Well, I, I think we did make the right decision, given what's happened around the world and the severity of how quick it, it uh, exploded." Brad, with the new um, new announcement with the NBL cuts, what what does that sort of mean for you guys with the players, and how's that all sort of come about? Um, actually applying for a job at a petrol station to work uh, during the after training. No, um, <laughs> I, I guess I guess what it does, um, it, it with training and stuff right now, it's it's still a lot up in the air. Um, until we know an exact confirmed date when we're going to start, I think that's when we'll be able to kind of look at how we go about it. Um, it it's it's annoying, uh, it's, it's frustrating. You know, you've worked hard a lot of your life to, to get to a stage where you're making very good money. And these kind of have it, have it taken away from you. Normally, you get a pay cut when you play shit. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, this this thing's come through and it's it's it's, it's out of our hands. Um, but uh, you know, we, here in Sydney, we have a very good ownership, and I, I think I'm with, we're with the right club here. And 
we'll just keep chipping away and who knows what, you know, how our trainings will look. It probably will be a little bit less to give guys opportunities to do extra study and those kind of things if they need that kind of stuff. So how the landscape's looking right now is a bit out, out up in the air, but I think lucky we're with, with our clubs and we can work with them closely. And, mate, going on to your career too, so you, you basically come out of the, the junior program, uh, OAS, and went straight into the, the NBL. And you're one of those guys that went straight into the NBL and were, were a major player into that. So how, how did that all kick off through the early stages of the NBL? And then um, moving forward where we, we saw you sort of get some, some international opportunities pretty quickly after that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess uh, I was lucky enough that I kind of knew at, at an age that I was ready to be a pro. And um, sorry, my son. Get, it. get him on, mate. <laughs> no, no, no. Get him on from it. Yeah, yeah, he likes the crowd. He's like his dad. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I was lucky that I got into the system at a, at a young age and kind of backed my talent in there. I, I guess I used the AIS as, as my college, um, my university degree, you may say, and took that route and, uh, you know, didn't look back. And I guess the decision why I went pro at a young age, I looked at the Australian team and my position was a lot of guys who were starting to get in their mid to late 30s. And I thought if I can perform on the local scene, I'm a, t I'm a chance to uh, get on the radar pretty quick. Could you talk about, um, about uh, the boomers, mate? Can you let us know uh, the feeling it was that you had when you were first selected for the Boomers and, and what it was like to line up and, and play in those uh, Olympics for the Boomers, mate? Yeah, it was unreal. Um, that's, you know, as a, as a junior player in Australia, everyone's dream was to go to the Olympics. I guess the NBA wasn't seen to be that achievable. We only had two or three guys in the league. Bogut and Longley were the only ones for a lot of years that had actually gone on and made it. So... For any young kid coming through their systems, you know, the old ITC system, whatever the dream was, to go on and play for Australia. And um, I guess halfway through my second year in Canberra, the coach at the time, Marty Clark, said, I believe you could be an Olympian. So, I, you know, the thing I did, I went into my locker and my, my block in Canberra and put the Olympic rings and I just would look at that every day. And I guess once I, you know, had my name called in, in the, the boardroom over in Athens when we were having a camp by... Uh, <laughs> Brian Gorgian to say you're in the Olympic team was was pretty special and um, you know something that I'll never forget. You know coming up against some world class talent and um, you know the, the learning and all these kind of things that I've taken out of that is it really helped me in my career. Staying on that Olympic tune, mate, we put a little post up there. Basically, you were against the the dream team back. Um, I'm not sure what year it was, but you were actually heavily involved, like matched up and and. I saw the post you put on your story today yeah. of the, the, the Mamba memories or, or something like that where Kobe was in lockdown and, and he had the, the, the job of guarding you as well and that. Like, it, it's surreal to even, like, probably imagine that as a young fella coming through. But how was that just to, to be against a guy like that? He's, well, yeah, laid down Hall of Famer and done absolutely everything and, like, you couldn't walk on the street and to be matched up against a guy like that. Yeah, I, I tell everybody I, I held him to 20. Um, <laughs> that's my go-to, and uh, I gave him 10 or 12. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, um, yeah, something that I, you know, I look back on and, you know, given what's happened, you know, with his death and, and that kind of stuff now, it's even more, I, I guess, uh, in a way, sweeter. I, I guess um, the thing that I really took away from playing against him was the respect that he had. Um 
Like a lot of guys in that team were, were talking a bit of trash, whereas he was just very respectful of his opponent. Uh, before the game, he, he asked about, you know, he knew I was playing over in Greece, so he obviously must have read his scouting notes that Coach K had provided for the team. A, a lot of guys probably wouldn't even look at them because, you know, they're on their, in that stratosphere. And, you know, I, I just really, you know, respected the fact that he, he spoke to me just as a, as a as an equal. And, and that's something when I, I speak to kids now about, you know, their junior careers and that is, is treat everybody the same. Don't think you're above anyone or, or you know, treat everyone on the same level. And that, that's one thing that, you know, speaking to Kobe and playing against him and seeing the levels he got to in his career uh, is something that really rubbed off on me. And it just did an, an unbelievable thing. And I guess when you're watching him on TV, seeing the moves that he's doing on the, in, you know, and when you're young, and you're actually playing against him, the fact that he's doing him in your face is that's something that kind of uh, blows you away. He must have said good. something. Yeah. He must have said something. Surely. Oh, the might have been, you're saying something to him. Too, too spicy. I, I think <laughs> I, I was doing a pretty good job on him, mate. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> in that game, then you, you you said there's a few who were yarning. Who was who was throwing the biggest? Oh, uh, Chris Paul was nonstop. He, uh, <laughs> Something about being able to afford to buy somebody's family popped up at some stage, and <laughs> I think I think if anyone he directed that one at Ingles, and in the end, I think Ingles might be having a bit of the last laugh at the moment because he's you know going <laughs> to do pretty special things over there. Um, Dwayne Wade, he was trying to kick people when he was shooting. Um, yeah, those two were pretty pretty chippy, but you know LeBron and all that, they were pretty pretty respectful and. Um, Something that you know you, you won't forget, and um, I'm just seeing here the, the London highlights. We were in that game for about three quarters, yeah. and then mm, the mumble yeah. went sick, didn't he? <laughs> yep, yeah, we had 20 second half Took points over. or something. Yeah, so. I must have been off him. Yeah, <laughs> I saw the highlights, you're not <laughs> guarding him with a lot of them, so you're right. Yeah, you're having yeah. a bit of a sit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Mate, hey, you'd, be, um, you'd be enthralled watching the, the last dance at the moment, obviously. Um, MJ and uh, and what happened back in the nineties for you? Who's who's the best player you've seen? I mean, in the flesh, like matchup. I tell a lot of a lot of everyone expects me to say Kobe, and I've never played like Jordan's the best. Like I'll say that now, but as far as someone I've actually matched up on, I'm going to say Ginobili. Um, mm. As far as toughness to guard in the in the FIBA game and in the NBA game, I felt like he was. He was tough. Like Kobe would just rise up and shoot jumpers, but like Ginobili would try and go through you, around you, shoot threes. He was very hard to deal with in that level, and he because he was such an important player on his team. To me, he was the one that I I felt the hardest to guard at that level. Um, but you, you look back at watching Jordan and all these kind of things. It's 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 very impressive the fact that he he was only like six five six six, and the the, the the beatings he took and the way he performed night in, night out, it was, it was phenomenal. Like, watching that game, like, he's playing exhibition games, hard out, all-star games. Like, now guys get rested and these kind of things. Like, this was – you're talking about a, a very special talent. And, um, yeah, so, like I said, Ginobili, as far as matchup concern, was one of the toughest I had to deal with. What about when you're at the Rockets? Who, 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 like, who was training the house down while you are over there? I didn't get the – the chance to be with the the main team because I didn't make the final roster. I did the summer league stuff, um, but I was, Aaron Brooks was involved with our with our summer league team, and I felt I thought he was pretty tough. And uh, funny enough, you know, fifteen years later, we end up playing each other in the NBL. Mate, wind it back just a step before that. Getting 
your name read out on draft night. I remember sitting at home actually watching that draft right to the end because I knew you were, you were in the mix and hoping to uh, to hear that. And I think, was there 54 or 56 picks? 54, yeah. Yep, yep. And you went the lucky last pick? No, no there were 60 picks and I went at 54. 60 picks, 54, mate. What was it like, like having... Who was it? Probably the, the current commissioner, was it? That read your name out I think, in, in I think the second it was. round? Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to actually hear that. At a time, now we've had those uh, a heap of guys get into the NBA, not a lot through the draft, but to actually hear your name on that sort of stage. How did you feel? Yeah, I mean, it was... Sitting in front of the TV? Yeah, I was I was back uh, in Adelaide uh, with my, my family there. Um, I guess... Uh, I, I did. It took me two years to kind of go through the workout process because I, I would go in between NBL seasons uh, and, and work out over there. And I actually improved a lot going through those workouts. Like the, the crew, I actually worked out. So the guy that um, in Michael Jordan's actual personal trainer was the guy that was he had a workout crew in Chicago, and a, a lot of young guys would go and work out with him for four to six weeks to prepare for the draft. And I was lucky enough to go and. My agent set me up there in Chicago, and that's who I work with. So we had guys like Rajon Rondo, Iguodala, um, Shannon Brown. So I was going up against these serious athletes, and it actually really helped my game going into that last NBL season that I played. So um, the, the the hard work that I did there and hearing your name call was was, was pretty um, pretty pretty uh, I guess re- relief, and it, it put me into the atmosphere as far as an overseas player coming from Australia trying to make it you know, in Europe or wherever I would go on to play. Um, the funny thing was I, I got a phone call because I guess there was a bit of a second delay between the States and here and my mm. got, one of my friends in the States actually rang me and told me about a second before. So um, <laughs> it, it was kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, hearing your name calls, it's very impressive and, you know, something that's on your resume forever and it really helped me out. It's helped me out in my career getting to where I needed to get to. Now back in the NBL, mate, the last oh, – you had a really good a Euro – um, career over in the Europe and Greece and that sort of stuff, but bring him back to the NBL and how how good is like it to see the growth in the NBL since Larry Kesselman's got on board, uh, and and now it's nearly a legitimate pushing second best league sort of in the world talent wise. Yeah, the, the growth's been unreal. Um, back in my Crocs days, you know, one one game a week might have been on TV, and that was Big Wednesday, hosted by John Casey or something like that. <laughs> so, and and all the other, you know, the scouting would be like. DVDs of someone with a, you know, a, a hold your own kind of setup. So um, to see it kind of go from that to every game televised, um, playing in front of you know over ten and a half thousand every night here in Sydney. Um, I think Sydney years ago was only about you know five thousand or whatever it was. So to come into that was, was pretty special. Um, you know, and just having people talk about basketball again, I think it's been really cool to ride that wave, and hopefully we can get out of this kind of funk that the COVID everyone's in right now and hmm. lucky enough basketball kind of will start kind of when things are starting to loosen up a little and people want to go and watch games and go on TV and, you know, see these kind of things. So, yeah, the, the growth's been phenomenal and, you know, the level, you look in the NBA now, we've got, you know, eight or nine Aussies or whatever many it is and guys leaving the America, like finishing their careers and wanting to come back and play in the NBA. I think that speaks volumes for the league that we play in. And yeah, and for that as well, and your current Kings roster, like, mate, it, it's a roster that we haven't seen anything like that assembled. I don't think in in Australia as a as part of a an NBL team. What's it like to be to be part of that? And is there added pressure to know that? Well, you'll obviously be be called stacked and all those sort of things. And 
other than winning the championship, everything other than that is, is, is sort of pushed on you as a fail. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been – I've done a few little interviews and stuff uh, and everyone's kind of said to me, you know, oh, you know, losing, was how was that? And if you scale it right back, so when I first came to Sydney, the, the team was on the bottom of the heap, you know. Um, so the rebuild, getting to a semi-final, getting to a grand final, it, it does take – you just – doesn't happen overnight. You just you look at Perth, the success they've had. They've had consistency in their roster, and that's something here in mm. Sydney. The turnover of players is just every year the same, the same, the same. And unfortunately, you know, with this virus happening now, that's that could affect it as well. But the way we were channeling is like we got to a granny this year. We were one game short or whatever. So I think, you know, having that stacked roster on paper is one thing. But you know, I think. If we can continue to have the stacked roster for a little bit longer, I, I think you know that next step will happen. You just look at Perth and the way they've gone about their business and how long it's taken them, and now they're consistently in the grand final. That's something we want to do, and I think we're we're, we're right near that to that point. And I'll, I'll probably ask it too here. One of your teammates who, who tends to be a bit outspoken, he's had with with Bogut, and he's had a massive career, so he's obviously got the the. Um, the runs on the board to, to back it up, but he he does say say and do a few controversial things. What what's the bloke like like a, a, as a bloke? Like he appears arrogant uh, and those sort of things. And often those guys you think are like that, then you meet them, they're the polar opposite. How how is he as a as as a human? Oh, I think he just you know says how he feel it feels and he, and he backs himself and. Mm. You know, we have conversations in the in the locker room, and they, they are what what he says, and that's what he believes. And I, that's why we respect him because he actually doesn't he does he doesn't give a shit yeah. like what people think. Yeah. And you know, you look at his career and what he's done. I mean, he's you know, I'm, I I met him when we were seventeen at the AIS, or he was a little bit older than me. And how he is then is how he is now, and he's just, he's gone about it. He's, he's matured, obviously. He's gotten older, and but he's just self belief and self drive is something which got him to a level and, he, and that's why he's gone about his career and if that can if that's rubbed people up the wrong way and so be it but you know look what he's done with his career it's he's arguably Australia's best you know product that we've ever had and I think anyone who wants to knock him well I think they need to have a you know another look at themselves and look at what he's really done so um you know as a, I've looked up to him even though he's a little bit older than me I still look up to him what he's done in his career and any advice he has for me I listen and I think what what you see is what you get and I, I and, and we, we, we respect him for that because that's how he feels. Hmm. And lastly, from me, mate, I put a post up, shared the, the link today, and uh, Johnny McGlynn threw a bit of chat and he was, he was uh, wondering if you've given up lighting campfires on his, on his carpet yet. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, the McGlynn boys, that takes me back to the old Marucci days because I'm, I'm, I'm an old kind of Queenslander now. I'm a, you know, I'm over here. <laughs> Um, we'll probably claim you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that were our ITC sessions every Saturday morning at Marucci Stadium with um, yeah. him, Greeny, Ewan, and a, someone else, Matty as I, well. I think, so, yeah. Johnny was our coach, and so that would turn into Saturday, and we'd always end up back at my place, you know, lighting fires, doing stupid things all around. <laughs> the um, yeah, we had, I had a good time up there. It was sad when I had to leave. Um, you know, my dad retired, and uh, we moved back to Adelaide and kind of, I was just starting to break into the, the the Queensland junior system there, so you know, you know what what could have been it could have been a you know Queensland rep, but that is what it is. But um, you know, managed to get to get on to play for Australia and you know represent Rich Dior in a kind of out of the way kind of way. Mm. 
Right, so we're nearly out of time with yourself, Brad, because we're obviously we know you've got another commitment coming up um, very, 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 very soon. So, just the last thing I wanted to ask you is with these changes to the NBL, and we've seen obviously that like a lot of sports have had to make cutbacks, etc., as you said, pay cuts, all of that. Do you have any concerns with the NBL? Because obviously we see, like we talked about your team, like Casper Ware, obviously, and a couple other big name players, just as a result of cutting an import and things like that. Do you? We've come, as Steve. Rightfully pointed, we've come so far as a league. Do you have any concerns? Just you know, I know it would have been a really hard decision to have to make, but is there any yeah. concerns around obviously just just that this decision that had to be made at the time that it has? Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of put on us pretty quick, um, and and a lot of us were very naive. We were all like, "Oh, we'll be right. We're bas- This will blow over, and, and things will be back." But the fact, the thing is, though. The sponsors of these teams, they're taking hits, so they're giving money into clubs. But if they can't give the money in the club, the club can't give you that money, you know. So mm. they're, they're, when you scale it back and think about it, you're like, well, this does make a lot of sense. And, and right now what's going on is, you know, something right now is better than nothing, and that could have been an option. Um, my hope is that, you know, even if it's a bit of a Band-Aid year, you know, hopefully after that it, it can build back up. But there was probably a lot of spending going on around the place which probably needed to be to be scaled back, and I guess this situation it has helped that, uh, you know, change. Mm. Any last questions, boys, before we let him go? Oh, good. Brad, really appreciate you joining us on the show. Um, yeah, wonderful you to give us your time. We could talk to you all night, but uh, just to listen to, obviously, that journey and, yeah, just playing the dream team to getting drafted to what you're doing with the Kings. We didn't even touch on your other international career overseas, but it's been an incredible career, and obviously there's still plenty more to come. Uh, we look forward to seeing you along with everyone else in Australia back on court and, uh, and doing what you do best. But uh, appreciate you giving us your time on the show tonight. Thanks for having me, Sammy Pros. Brad Newley joining us there on the Semi Pros. Thanks to, uh, to Brad for being on the show. We'll take a break. After the break, we're heading out to the Southern Hotel. We're going to play Jag the Joker. At the Southern Hotel, our Sunday steak special has been so popular, we want to offer it on Saturday too. 180 gram rump mignon, 400 gram New York cut T-bone, or a huge 500 gram grain-fed rump. All for just $23.95. It's better at the Southern. So there you go, plenty happening at the Southern. We are going to head out there shortly, but how good was Brad Newley? Awesome. Mm. Mate, he's a superstar. I remember. I probably, I Did you play against him, Steve? No, I didn't play against him. I think I'm three, maybe four years above him. And he mentioned with Johnny McGlynn and McGlynn boys coming through, he was just starting to get into that sort of development program, which we had been in for a few years at that time. And when he went through, he started to dominate under-18s, under-20s, just killed it. I think he went in as an 18-year-old to, to the Crocs and went out and killed it. It's not too often. It's still at the cusp there of trying to have, have a crack at making it there. And it, 
you don't really look up to too many guys that that are four years younger than you and sort of have that admiration to you when you're at that age when you think you mate you, you're nine foot tall and bulletproof at that point and no one can beat you but he was one of the guys definitely looked up to like he was just a, a superb talent and obviously to get where you where you are or where he went to throughout his career he has to be so um and a very humble sort of guy too. He said like Kobe wouldn't have had a bad word to say. He'd be he'd be the equivalent of the NBL like that too. Where he there'd be guys out there throwing lip, and I don't think and he'd be out there respecting and, and playing hard and not giving up. So yeah, it's a good uh, career. And hopefully he's got a few more years to mm. watch on. Well, Steve, you speak what, about while we're his... just talking about that. Sorry, while, while we're just talking about that, I must be lagging a bit here, but. While we talk about that, you're pretty modest on your career and what you sort of achieved and the sort of heights you scaled. We often ask people like the best they've sort of matched up against and whatever it may be. In your opinion, who, who do you sort of hold in that regard? Oh, I don't know. Well, the most beltings we got from, I didn't match up personally with him, but the best player I would have played, like I'm putting in as a QBL guy, would be Cam Trigar. He had 75 on us one night down at Water Street in a, a very sombre night and just absolutely dominated. But coupled up, like Chris Goulding, he, he was just he's just tough yeah. player. And, and like he's improved leaps and bounds since when I played him. And he was tough as hell. And, and he, he, he definitely got the upper hand on me uh, one night. But I, I think actually the best game I, I, I would have played was in a back when there was, there was Southern Cross and. SBL of State League when they were two separate comps and the winners matched up. We played Spartans. I got yeah. matched up against Damian Ryan at the time who was playing <laughs> Boomers down there and probably had the, best, had the best game. I, I, we were on par, I reckon, like going toe-to-toe that whole game. Then the last five minutes, he just pulled his finger out and absolutely belted us. So, <laughs> believe me, uh, we, we got touched up. We got beat by 20 or 30, but like I felt like, Shit, handling yourself not too bad here. And then he, he sort of flicked the switch when it was time to go and said, see ya. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I, rem- I remember that game. I was there obviously watching you play and you were outstanding that night, actually. Seriously, I remember mm. that. And was, I'll never forget that, actually, because it was the – yeah, we had all the finals here at Water Street or something that year. Is that right? Yeah. No, that was down at Spartans that year. Yeah. yeah. No one. With a, yeah. Oh, that, no, for, so that was the crossover after the yeah. finals probably were down at Water Street. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. 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 So back. it was – yeah, the older the, you get, the better you were, eh? Yeah, exactly. Which one? Of, I'll remember another <laughs> game you played. Not, not to try and bring a bad. Did you get drafted too, mate? Yeah, one of the. Which one of the Cedar boys put up about a thousand on you? Yeah, mix it. Namely you. Here and had fifty-five. Yeah, and just hit, <laughs> hit shots. Everything. From, uh, oh, ridiculous! Every, I would just say, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think it, no, it must have been before that we matched up, sort of in the development programs, but. Um, yeah, he come in. Oh, mate, plenty of people come down to Toowoomba and had a field day. <laughs> oh, no, Brad Williamson had a field day. At yeah, 60 odd, trigger yeah. Someone else. Mate, yeah, what, did you, what did you think when you walked away after Trigar had 75? Oh, I don't know. That's a big game. Grabbed, a, a grabbed, big a hand, game. grabbed a handful of ass and wiped it over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was, yeah. And I don't know. I don't, I'd love to watch the video of that. He just... Yeah, that is red hot, isn't it? Oh, mate! <laughs> but that's what he could clip. do. He he was he could just score and mate. He, he yeah, he could just the ball went into his hands and then went into the basket. <laughs> what do you have at the half? Run the same oh, defense against him or what? No, no. I was like, oh, why didn't you try something? Else? I was like, what are you? All oh, right, I'll just sit here and let him pick off seventy five. But I think yeah. that, they went on to win that year. I think that was yeah. playing for Southwest. They had Jason Cameron. Like they had a 
Penny and Serious Nisala, they, they had guys, like four or five or six guys that went on to an NBL career, so... Yeah, or but, you know, post embryo career. I'd love to know what he had at the half because he obviously would have slowed down a bit and got. No, no, he would have slowed down. He, he just <laughs> eats points. He loves it, eh? Yeah, the field day. Do you want a water street? If he could have got seventy six, he would have got seventy six. Somewhere like that I don't know how he did. So, oh, they're lucky they pulled the joint down, eh? Anyway, there's some great memories yeah. from good old Water Street Stadium yeah. for a lot of people. For a lot of people, there's some good memories there as well for a lot of Toowoomba teams over the years as well. Don't worry about that. Southern Hotel, shot clock going out shortly. Now, Jag the Joker, so who's online? So I've got to pick someone that's online here as well. So make sure you pop up now, whoever is online. We're going to head out to the Southern Hotel now. Joining us, here he is, Penrith Trot. Shane Mogg, how are you going? Oh, mate, it'd be going all right if the pump was going a bit better for me. Hey, guys, I can't hear Stevie Glover, but I heard the questions asked. And given the fact that he's 912, was it Larry Bird, the best player he played against? <laughs> Jeez, he's going good if he was up against Larry, that's for sure. We used so. to roll the same haircuts. <laughs> no, yeah, mate, no, going all right. Um, yeah, just back here to do the Jake the Joker again, as we did last week. Uh, Chrissy Tate still hasn't come in and picked up his voucher in the drive through. So if we can chase him up, he's... He's obviously uh, as punctual as these uh, horses he backs. Yeah, so we'll chase him up. We'll see what he's doing. Now, we saw that ad there before, Southern Hotel. We know the changes this weekend, a little bit more happening for people that want to get out and actually get back and see you guys. Yeah, mate, a little bit of normality creeping back into Queensland. Um, obviously, we are doing our best to accommodate as many people as we can. We've got the 10 limit. Um, we're doing three sessions a day. So from nine o'clock onwards, as you would have heard from Ray, we're doing those three sessions and we're splitting them up so we can sort of get a few of you in for a, for a great meal. And, you know, the most important thing in my, my behalf is I'm missing a schooner. I'm lucky enough that I've had a few takeaway meals from the Southern, but I may not even I'll be able to crack a schooner. If, I, if Greggy pans back to the bar, they haven't even put the taps up there for me yet. I can't even steal one. Yeah. <laughs> Your time will come. Patience. Patience is, oh, patience who, is the key. Who, so. who needs a cup, mate? Just get your head under it. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it, mate. First day. <laughs> but it's a really, the really important message for people this weekend, though, is is booking. So you need you need people to book in if they want to come in. Obviously, yeah, with those restrictions. You know, give us a call at the hotel, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, get you in as soon as we can. Like I said, I think we're booked out Saturday. Sunday's filling up, but there are bookings throughout throughout the week. And um, I'm not sure about next weekend. I think there's still plenty available. So you know, if you if you do want to. Uh, you know, doll yourself up a little, you know, throw on your best pair of jeans and a flannel and come down to the southern and uh, crack a steak and have a skelly, come on down. All right, so pop down to the Southern. Now we're here to play Jag the Joker. So, again, we Chris Tate said he picked up $25 last week. So tell us again the, the situation, how it works, and while you're doing that, I'll find someone online that's going to um, play this week. So tell us about it. Yeah, no worries. So what we're doing is uh, obviously we can't give away the cash because we're not open as we would be usually on a Thursday night. So... We thought we'd reward your listeners for putting up with us and our sponsorship by throwing something their way so they don't have to pay for their first drink. So what we're doing, if you uh, can find the Joker left, there's uh, 51 cards up there. If you can uh, manage to pick the Joker by rowing card, we'll give you a 50 buck bar voucher, which you can use for a meal or, or skewies. Or failing that, if you miss, we'll still give you 25 bucks, which will cover a meal and a, and a uh, drink anyway. So I you know, just want to make that Thursday back to the pub a little bit better for each of the punters. Right. Let's see. I'll go. I'll pick one here at random. Right. So I click my eyes wherever my finger lands. It's on. <laughs> Joel Seabee. Right. I you'll go. Good. Say Joel Stower. 
No, can't do that. He's in a... <laughs> no, we're not that dodgy, He'll mate. So. Need a I know where it is. The Parramatta lose. <laughs> Don't get him started. That bro. No, Joel Seabee. So right. How good is the Lakers go in the top ten players? Yeah, they got a few. They got a few. Five. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Who so, we got? So Joel Seabee. Joel Seabee is our player this week. So Joel, I hope he's still like. Yeah, he's online. So how it works, right, Joel? Joel. You, you write in the comment section what card you want Moggy to turn over, and we'll see what okay, you end up. Rowan number. So row and number. So what is it? How many rows are there? One, two, three, four, five. We've got eight what do we got? Rows. Yep. We're going seven to six cards. Righto. So keep us in suspense here. So, so Joel CB. So write in the comments. Here we go. Row five, card one. He's after. One, two, three, four, five, card one. He's going the orange. Oh, geez, like, nothing good has ever come out of orange. Oh, $25 bar voucher. He hasn't jagged the Joker. He's got the king of spades. The spades are prevalent at the moment. So there we go. So the, that's what, so right. So 20, so uh, Joel Seavey's picked up a $25 voucher. What's that? He just drops into the drive through. Yeah, well done, Joel. Just come in and see Big Greg from one o'clock tomorrow, mate. He'll have that voucher sitting there ready for you. And uh, we'll throw in a great northern hat for you, Joel, if you, if you can get in on time. Um, don't borrow Chris Tate's watch. Obviously, it's cactus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so well done. So we've got I'll save you that. Save you coming in for a few free skewies, and you know, in in the next six weeks, we'll we'll give away more. Hopefully, someone can jag the Joker. Just just stick a tin of JD out there, mate. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Don't worry about the voucher. I know what it'll be going towards. A couple of tins of JD. So that'll suit him. So that's where we got. So that's what we're sitting at. So Joel Seavey's picked up the voucher there. But now, as he said, so the Southern this weekend, or if you want to pop out there, so jump out to uh, the Southern Hotel and you can, um, yeah, so as he said, like I said, I'd like all of our different um, outlets at the moment. So allow a maximum of uh, 10. So make sure you jump in and grab the bookings, but still they're running the uh, the takeaway option there as well. And make sure you tune into the show each week around this time. So really we just pick someone at random to uh, to play Jag the Joker. So Chris Tate uh, was last week. So Chris Tate, he's got to drop down and pick his up. So you got $25. And so did Joel Seabe. So he picked up $25. So there are two. Uh, winners there. So as we continue to play Jag the Joker. Southern Hotel Shot Clock segment, boys. What have we got this week? Now, Shot Clock from the Southern questions this week. NRL, so one referee. Now, this has often been talked about in the past, just saying that they should go back to one referee. The two referees is, a, you know, no good. Well, now they're saying they're doing it as a cost-cutting measure. But anyway, so one referee, good idea or a bad idea? Bubs, you can kick us off. One or one or two, good or bad. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, Why? I think it should be. I think it should be one all the time. You mm-hmm. get you're getting two referees, and you get the game refereed in, in two different um, two different ways, right? You go back to the old school, one referee, let him dictate the way the game's going to get played, and go from there. You're just getting everyone's getting muddled up with two in the two in the game. So, I mean, good one one referee, and what they still got the the old bunker, I suppose, haven't they? So. A bit of help. So you're a one we got, man. We got one, one and a quarter referees. Yeah, one and a quarter referees. Joel, yeah. one or two, good or bad? I'm the same as Bubs, mate. Go back to the old school, one referee, same set of the same ten meters. Then it's not um, it's not the one bloke doing one ten, the other bloke doing another ten. Um, yeah, I love I love getting out there and yelling at the referee to get them on side and get them back ten. So um, just uh, 
It'd be only it'd be only one bloke to yell out this time, so yeah, that's good. I reckon keep it with the one. Steve, it'll be seven meters because his fitness won't be able to keep up running so much. <laughs> I reckon it'll be Even I reckon it'll be ordinary. I the game's same. changed because of it because of um, like so much goes on in the ruck now. Exactly. It's different to back in the old day when there's one ref you tackle, you get off him and you do it. But there's Around so much the that happens in a ruck. Yeah. You need something happening there. I just think it'll. Oh, it'll it'll make it even more messy through there. I reckon you'll team, see teams like Melbourne absolutely love it. The wrestle teams will absolutely uh, mm. dominate and be able to control play. And the wily old veterans that'll uh, maybe grab hold of the Jats crackers and give them a rip and get away with all the old uh, these old style tactics. But it, yeah, I, I don't know if they've got the ability. The ability to, they've uh, still got the video ref. Yeah, but I don't think they've still got the ability. Yeah, but a video ref's not going to be able to like all the subtle stuff you get away with the wily old veterans. I don't. I think they'll uh, come to the fore. Get away with nothing with TV these days. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's right. Oh, but no. Yeah, but back. you don't get penalised for it. Yeah, we'll all go upstairs and say, "Mate, he's grabbed his wheels. Have a look." Yeah, what? You can go back five or six plays. Yeah, yeah real well, gripper. Mate, they're yeah. in their ear the whole time. They're in their ear. They're in their ear the whole time. No. So, uh, there's too anyway. many influences on the game as it is. Well, this is no. So this is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm with Steve. The exception of all those things that will happen. I, I actually reckon it'll be horrific because you what you watch. We talk about the bunker. They'll like, sort of they'll over referee it now because they'll have more interference from the outside. I, I reckon. And as you said, like it's just. I, I think the one. Will, I reckon the game will change dramatically with one referee because he said all the things that'll happen with, with the wrestle, the ten meters, and and yeah, and what's going to happen with what's getting said in their ear from upstairs as well. I, yeah, I reckon the poor old uh, referee out in the middle will be. Um, yeah. How, what be, they get, how much are they going to save? What does a ref get paid again? Well, I don't know, and I've, I found I found if that's the reason, and that's what I'm sure. They're I read, all like, big contracts. Yeah, but but, that, but that's it's part of it. One hundred thirty a year, one hundred forty a year, or something, aren't they? Yeah, well, but how much? Yeah. What'd you say there? Need to be at least one forty a year, I reckon. Well, what about pay much? cut like everyone else? Maybe about. Well, what about the executives and that? They'd be on ten times that. So yeah, you know, I'm, ref- I'm sure they're all taking the cut, though, aren't they? Referees, is, referees are a part of your product, just a part of. Mm. One, it's like it's like going out there saying, "Oh, we'll play without goalposts." Like it's just, you know, I find it bizarre. I couldn't believe that was one of the one of the cutbacks. Go back to one referee. That's why I fear. But I reckon really... there's probably a lot of workings in the background. It was probably going to, you know, all the backlash about the two that's probably happening anyway. There'll be probably well, just there'll, be, on... there'll be two because the, the video referee will be having his go as well. So anyway, can we get rid of the touches as well? <laughs> you want to get rid of the bunker as well? Just one referee, and that's. Oh, it. I think we should get rid of the bunker. Yeah, it should go. Get rid of the bunker and get the in-goal referees back. <laughs> Does anyone here like the bunker? Oh. No, it's a way too many shots in. They're it. not consistent. Well, what was it yeah. worth? It was worth millions, wasn't it? Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. Shut it yeah. down and sell it. Yeah. Sell I, it. I, yeah, I don't know. I. I think it, yeah, yeah. The theory of it, yeah, the theory of what it's supposed to do is good, but it, as we all know, it doesn't work out that way. That's the issue. So, anyway, that's our thoughts there on that. We, I've kind of changed my tune a bit now. I was listening to Brad. And the second question around this is just the changes to the NBL salary cap. Is it a good idea or a bad idea? So, the changes that have come in, obviously, they've cut an import. 
Uh, rosters have been cut back with numbers-wise as well. Pay cuts generally across the board, and it, and it's all obviously as a result of of COVID. And and as I said, <laughs> change my position on this now. Like like Brad Newley made a really good point, didn't he? Really around the around there. Yeah, Joel Seabees ends three million. They reckon they'll save by one referee. Sorry, just to go back on man, that. man, Joel Seabees. Yeah, he knows everything mm. except where the joker is. <laughs> but three mil, so save three million dollars. So well, yeah. I don't know what. So there you go. Maybe so travel and everything, accommodation, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. So saving a three million by just having uh, one whistleblower in the middle. But anyway, yeah. So NBL, the changes. Start with you, Steve. What do you reckon? Good, bad? Oh, I can see why it happens because, and and they're in the the position they can do it because they're owned by a single bloke. So he just said, mm. "Well, this is what's going to happen." And. You saw the NBA there, like comparing them to the the leagueies who were jumped up and down. Oh, we're not taking pay cuts. We're not. It's interesting to see the perspective that they've taken. Like, well, if we don't take a hit, there's no product in the future. So, mm. it, it it's different. It seems like there's just two different perspectives on it. They're sort of about moving the NBL forward and and making sure there is a product for to, to play in the for the next couple of years coming where the NBA, NRL guys have been like, well, that's my money. I deserve to get paid it, whether it's the detriment of the game or not. So hmm. probably had to happen. Uh, and we've seen some big names opt out of their contracts too with, yeah. with Bryce Cotton. Um, it was Ware. just about to be naturalised as, as an Aussie too. So, um, hmm. But it's just something that has to happen. And for those reasons that Brad said too, it's not because of the clubs. Like, it's the businesses that back the clubs too. They're, yeah, they need that that um, that well, support from the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's and that's going to be across the board. That's not NBL. That's going to be felt through exactly. sporting organisations right down mm. the grassroots. So, mm. um, I think it's just something that had to happen. I think it, it is a shame because they, they were flying and um, yeah, that'll. Uh, but in saying that, if they do the right thing now, they they can. Put themselves in a position to get back stronger and better when it all yeah. um, is said and done. Yeah, as I said, I, I probably changed my tune up for listening to Brad Newley. Originally, I thought it was crazy, and for a couple of reasons. One is that I would have thought, particularly around the cutting of an import. Now, with all the other countries, Europe and the other Americas and things like that, I thought, wouldn't it, if you're an import, and when well, again, we don't know where this situation finishes, but wouldn't it Australia be with the way it's handled the COVID situation as opposed to other places around the world, an attractive place to go for that reason, safety, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Like you wouldn't really want to be lined up going to Italy, would you, or you know, no, some no. other places? Do you know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. thought, well, maybe, but again. Could have got a bigger import. But again, as I said, then I sit there and you listen to the way Brad Newley put it, and I think Stevie hit the nail on the head there, aren't they? They're thinking sort of long-term wise for the game and thinking, well, it's not just – my pocket, they're thinking, well, it's the sponsor's pocket that goes into the club's pocket, which then goes into our pocket. And if you cut it off at that source, well, they don't have the money. Mm. You know, no one has the money. So, and, and the NBL and, has and been, been down that slippery slide before. And being a one-man band, like Larry Kesselman owns it. So, I don't know what his business is or where he got his money from, but I'm guessing it must that's be good. The industry. Oh, yeah, I'd say he's going very good. Fairly cluey <laughs> bloke. <laughs> Genius. Troy, thoughts? Oh, as you said, just, it's not whether it's good or well, battling is just—it's essential, isn't it? Like, like mm. all leagues across uh, across Australia at the moment, everyone's going to have to take a pay cut, and not just leagues, but just business in general. Um, there's pay cuts everywhere, so 
yeah, for it to survive, um, obviously they've got to take a hit for a year or two, and then hopefully it prospers again um, with yeah. the with the lead up work they've done the last couple of years. You know, it's a great product, um, mm. and you can see it's just going to go from strength to strength. But it's just going to be a year or two of of um, flattening out a bit, and then hopefully spike again. Yep, Joel, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm the I'm the same. I think that you hit the nail on the head there, Troy. It's a great product, and for them to sustain that great product, they're going to need to um, obviously spend the, the dollars wisely as opposed to throwing them at a wall when they're probably going to be hard to find more so than anything. So um, I'm with you on that. It was, it was interesting to hear Brad's thoughts on that. Um, mm. As he sort of said, you know, like a, an older guy sort of getting that good money. I wonder if his career now is prolonged that little bit longer to sort of make up for perhaps the loss of, you know, that he might have to take now. I don't know, but you know, I'm mm. sure there'll be a few guys in that sort of boat. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It'd be really interesting to see. I mean, we still got to see how things work around what the comp looks like, et cetera, as well at the moment. Yet. That's so, right, yeah. So. Yeah, so all, all of that sort of stuff to come. Now, third question, Southern Hotel Shot Clock. We've all been intrigued, of course, by the uh, the Chicago Bulls, The Last Dance. So the, the episodes seven and eight aired the other night, and they went into Jordan's um, baseball career. So the, the sudden retirement from basketball after the passing of his father, played baseball, played at the level he did there, sold out stadiums, you know, smaller league stadiums, playing baseball, uh, much maligned, of course, because he wasn't just any ordinary rookie coming in to play baseball. He was the greatest basketballer of all time playing baseball. So it all this sort of expectation on him. And I, and I think generally speaking, it is just straight out classified as a complete disaster, a complete failure, his attempt to become a baseballer. In hindsight, watching that again the other night, anyway, we'll get to that. Was it a success? Was Michael Jordan's stint in baseball a success or a failure? Success or failure? Who I reckon it was fairly successful, eh? Like from what from what they put on that that documentary there the other night. You know, he obviously had the opportunity to play in the MLB, uh, but knocked it on the head because he wasn't just going to be a part of it as you know as a fallback option. But I mean, from what you know, I, I don't know a thing about baseball. Or you know, the only thing I know is about the, the old Louisville Slugger. But from what you know, those knowledgeable people. <laughs> who were making comments on the documentary, you know, like he was doing some pretty amazing things for a bloke who's, you know, what was he, 12 months into it, if that, six months worth of training and then he's hurled in there. So, and, and with his drive and his um, desire to win and his desire to succeed, I think he would have succeeded no dramas at all. Mm. So success from you, Troy? Yeah, I think so. Um, depends on which way you're looking from it as success. I tell you, he did, to, who was a success for us for the Chicago Bulls uh, and for Michael Jordan. If, if he wouldn't have retired and played baseball when he did, he might have played maybe one or two years because he was burnt out. You can see from the thing of the night, like mm. he was cooked, he was burnt. So those, I think, those couple of um, that year and a half were off or whatever it was. I think it regained his love of sport. I think um, getting out and and not having the pressure of Playing basketball like he did, he got out play baseball. He still had the crowds and and the media and whatnot, but he was used to that. Um, and then it kind of refreshed him. I think they wouldn't have won another three titles like they did if he no. wouldn't have had that break for sure. Yeah. So success in that way. Um, and you know, for a bloke who's hadn't played since he was in the teens to come back and and get to the level he did and put up a couple of stats he did, I think it was it was a success there as well. So and the Chicago Bulls was a success for them. 
He made them plenty was, the next three years when he came back, didn't he? I'll tell you who else was successful, yeah. the Birmingham Barons. No one ever heard of them. Yeah. Everyone knows who the Birmingham Barons are. They were selling out games and get, like was going ballistic. Steve, any, what's your thoughts? Success or failure? Oh, look, as a professional career, it's obviously a failure. But to, to see what he did on the on the – the episodes there and the work ethic he had and even like guys yeah, that were trying that to cool. make it into there like he just it worked him out he'd outwork anybody to be obviously he, he was just a competitor um like get up early in the morning he was just swinging bats and then do all their trainings do the, the team trainings play the games then he'd be straight in the net straight in the cage after it so no doubt he would have got there if he persisted might it wouldn't have been i don't think he would have been any sort of superstar but um, for, that's a bloke coming out fresh of the paddock who hasn't played a game of baseball for how long? Since he was 15. So hasn't played a game of baseball for 16 and, and is on the cusp of making the Major League Baseball in a, in a year. So pretty phenomenal. But a few over the a, fence. Yeah, mm. as a... Did you see, see him try and catch that one, though? Yeah. Had a big boat peep where the old boy... It's probably, probably a bit harsh on him because you see the, the Major Leagues, they've got the nice padded... Padded walls, they jump up, they bounce off. And then, yeah. Old mate's jumping up in a bit of razor wire. Trying to, take a, <laughs> trying to get out of prison. Yeah, trying to take a scream up. And then he sees the razor wire coming in the corner of the eye. So, sort of, oh, geez, I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, we'll let that one it go. It was amazing. With the old blisters on the hands and he's still out there slinging the old bat. Mm. How cool yeah. was that when he's in the locker room and he's bouncing, you know, he's back playing ball and he's still there. Yeah. You know, like with the. Yeah. He's obviously it, just a sports nut, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. And I've probably got the same opinion as you guys. Like, if you want to just talk straight up purely from a professional point of view, it was it was a failure. It was a dismal failure. And the only reason I say that is because I'm just trying to think of, like, you know, look at say I'll use use Anthony Mundine as an example. Played at the highest level of rugby league, then went and achieved the highest level of boxing. So where Michael Jordan obviously played at the absolute highest level of basketball, but he never made it to the highest level of baseball. But for all the reasons you guys have pointed out, I think it's the same thing you have to say. It's, it's a it's a success what he picked up in a year and a half it was incredible. Now I don't want to digress the conversation too far, but it was the most compelling thing I've found with this Jordan thing, and I think we all knew it, but watching it being highlighted was. Sort of what I think you mentioned before, Steve, with um, Damien Wright, talking about flicking a switch was how the competitive drive of that bloke when you watch it, particularly when the, there was a little extra for some reason, like they showed you know, BJ Armstrong. Uh, oh, the yeah. guy, just just all of a sudden when he just decided, well, they've talked about the Tony Kukoc affair, so when they played against them, Jeez, you just think back now and you think that's going to think, oh, God, why did you do that? Just be nice to him. Just, <laughs> him, just, whatever, just yeah. don't, don't, just, just. Don't say anything at all. Just let him do whatever he wants. Just yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. Like, like BJ. Tell what makes him another. Tell what makes Jordan another. See how he made things up <laughs> to actually give him drive. He actually yeah. made things up. Yeah. Instead, he's got made it up. But that I guy from Washington, what was his name? Got to his name that he walked off the yeah. game and he said, "He said, nice game, Mike, or something." Because he then he came out the next yeah. day and scored fifty odd on him because he they played back to back. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know. So what about so what, a, what about his yeah. teammate that that one? Uh, what was it? Was his name Scott Morell? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, like you're, what you're saying, James? If you had been nice to him and sucked up his ass, he probably would have gone the other way and just like trashed you and just wrote you off deluxe. You well, I mean, what if mean? you're like, playing against him, if I was your teammate, you'd be oh, playing well, against him. Oh well, I mean, him, you've you? got no other chance. You've just got to go at him, haven't you? 
So, you know, so, but just, I just, the way someone went about it after it, he just, he obviously just said, oh, yeah, I'll keep that in the memory bank. And then he comes back yeah. 10 times, a um, thousand times hard. Like he's, he was the best player arguably ever, but definitely the best player at that time without any motivation, let alone you give him a personal mission. Even look at that when they <laughs> talked about with Drexler, with Clyde Drexler, when he said, you know, there's comparison between me and him and he just wasn't on my level. So I just went out there to destroy him. And he did. Yeah. James, same thing. Yeah. Just, just it was just phenomenal watching some of those things. So I didn't want to digress quickly, but it made me think. Now you guys have all played sport at a much higher level than myself. So I'm sure there's certain guys you played against where if something ticked them off, they went to another level. Like someone that you like just that went that extra gear when there was something more on the line. Can you name any that you played with in your careers? Oh, or I can with? name a couple in cricket. Brad yeah. Brad Spinner in in outdoor cricket was a bloke where I saw a nicest bloke, but I saw a couple of people tick him off sometime one time and <laughs> we played in a grand finally come out and um I think he had 150 against us. I was pretty young back then, but a couple of blokes rocked up on the on the hill and had a, a cardboard cutout of a spanner. And on the spanner they had on written on their spanner is a tool. And <laughs> Brad proceeded to bludgeon us for about 150. And I still remember <laughs> thinking to this. I said to this bloke, I said, what were you thinking? Well, I was trying to have a bit of fun. <laughs> Come out and chase 150, mate, and see how much fun it is. But, yeah, Brad Spinner was a bloke like that. He um, he flipped the switch big time with the battle. Though. Yeah. Steve? Yeah. I don't know. You probably mentioned him before, like a guy like, Mick Cedar, like he'd just coast and look like he wasn't trying, and then he'd still look like he wasn't trying, but tear you apart. So, Joel Seabee's going for you, Rudy. Just ticked off. <laughs> that, that's, Angry an man. Ang- that's an anger switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought, it's, I thought it was interesting, Joel. You know, like it's just it's interesting to watch, as I said. Like, I reckon, um, Brado had that switch, eh? Hey? Like, you hate getting beaten in anything, whether it was running, whether it was. He had that real, like, same sort of, don't don't show me that you, you know. Even like that that fellow that ended up beating him in his last fight, Moraldi. I'm positive that he would have wanted to come back and fight him to beat him. You know what I mean? Like he just had yeah. that. No one's like, I know how good I am. You don't, you know, if you if you're gonna beat me, I'm gonna come back and do it again. Another one, actually, that anger switch Steve was talking about, Herman. He, oh, oh Herman, any Purcell, mate. He, he is the loveliest That's bloke, it. one of my best mates, just as good as gold. But when you're sparring, if you make his nose bleed, she's on. <laughs> and, like, it's, it bleeds all the time. So, I mean, you throw a jab, poke him on the nose, bang, it's bleeding. But his eyes just, like, it's like he takes that blood and he just wants a piece of you. So, I, I remember he used to always just, like, hit the body with a few jabs. And then if I hit him one on the nose and he started bleeding, she'd be, I'd just be using the ring like nothing else. So, yeah, the the psycho. Yeah, no doubt about it. But I just thought it was interesting watching that, just as you said, the way he, Jordan fabricated certain things or just the way – just whatever he needed to do to get himself going. And as I said, if somebody did something like what like they talked about, BJ Armstrong, that game with uh, with Charlotte or, as you said, Barkley in different areas, Tony coach, and once they took something for some reason personal to the next level, it was just – yeah, you get your motivation from somewhere, I suppose, haven't you? Yeah, he's unbelievable. That's a look at the Southern Hotel shot clock. Don't forget next week as well, we'll head out to the Southern Hotel and, again, we'll have uh, another opportunity to play Jack the Joker. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show with our Rocks and Diamonds, thanks to Hogan's Family Jewelers and a Semi Pros Multi of the Week. Hi, guys. Lockie here from Hogan's Family Jewelers. 
Today we're looking at how you select a perfect diamond. We need to consider the four C's. Cut, colour, clarity and carat weight. In terms of discussing the cut of a diamond, we need to consider the aspects of the qualities of cut. At Hogan's we only source triple excellent cut diamonds. In terms of colour, we look for the perfect white stone. We source stones from a D through to a G in colour, the top four colour gradings. Clarity is another really important factor in selecting your diamond. We don't want to look at the diamond every day and see inclusions or marks in the stones that distract from the beauty of the piece. The final of the four C's is carat weight. A lot of people believe that a diamond's value is based just on its carat weight. This isn't truly the case. It's a combination of all the four C's put together. There's one final hidden factor that I need to discuss about finding the perfect diamond. It's called fluorescence. When she wears the ring in natural sunlight, UV light, where the diamond is supposed to sparkle at its optimum level, you don't want any reaction. You don't want the diamond to go foggy or a milky colour or even an, a little neon blue sort of tinge through the diamond. This is why we only sell nil fluorescence diamonds and make sure that that diamond stays crystal clear whether you're indoors or outdoors, there'll be no reaction to natural sunlight. Fluorescence is one of the largest factors of devaluing a diamond. Be careful. Out there you might find diamonds that seem cheap, but truly they're going to be cheap for a reason. At Hogan's we prefer our clients to experience superior quality diamonds. We only source the highest grade of GIA certified diamonds. That's the Gemological Institute of America, the harshest grading lab in the world. Some of you may have done some research on diamonds before and may fully understand the four C's. But if not, we've got knowledgeable staff that will help you and guide you through selecting the perfect diamond. At the end of the day, it's all about quality, and at Hogan's, we prefer quality. Big thanks to Hogan's Family Jewelers for sponsoring the program. Thanks to Hogan's Family Jewelers for presenting our rocks and diamonds. Pop down and see Lockie Hogan and his team there so you can see they are the experts when it comes to all your jewellery needs. You probably learn a little bit about diamonds there, looking at that. Little advert, so you should be all more learned. Hogan's Family Jewelers, Rocks and Diamonds. Guys, this week, actually, I saw it was on Twitter. I saw Blair Gibson um, from Racing Nation talking to him, and he was talking about some of the worst sporting logos or names when he's looking back some of, some of the old East Tigers, the worst tiger, like clip art sort of tiger as the, as the logo. So I thought that's a good idea for Tiger. So best or worst sports names or logos that have ever existed or sports names. There's some, been some horrors over the years. Anyone got any? We can go either or, good or bad. Here we go. Now, here we go. So Zach's brought us some of the ones that I've found here, okay? So have a look at some of these, seriously. The Montgomery Biscuits. Yeah, Biscuit. The FL Fart. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thailand Tobacco Monopoly Football Club. Yeah, there's a good one. So uh, the Long Beach State Dirt Bags. Yeah, that's a good one. And what about the University of California Santa Cruz Banana Slugs? Yeah, see, there's been some awesome names over the years. What's a couple others I saw one. there is how about the Scottsdale Community College Fighting Artichokes? Can't make this stuff up. Seriously, that's the, the Akron Rubber Ducks. All right, what do we got? Best or worst or most embarrassing or weirdest sports <clears throat> names or logos? One of, about, one of about his great players, Anthony Trollope, when he first came into uh, Toowoomba from the uh, from the Gundawindi Mud Ducks <laughs> locally. So he was, he was a, I'll tell you what, they had a, a purple and black jersey too. It wasn't a,
Good old Troy, we pulled that one out of the train a few times, so mud ducks. The mud ducks, yeah. love it. Maybe Joel, what have you got? There must be an athletic type of species anyway. So mud ducks. Sticking on the, uh, the bird theme, the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> like, you're on a national level. It's not just like you're playing these sort of competitions, whether you're playing the Thailand Monopoly or whatever the hell it was, <laughs> and the Fard FC and all the rest of it. You know, like, this is the, the top echelon, the NBA, you know. The Chicago Bulls, you know, like proper names, and you've got the Pelicans. Yeah, always found it another garbage. One. Yeah, it's strange. Pelicans here, Troy. What do you got? Got any? Oh, talking about having a, a name that's got no bite about it or anything. The Utah Jazz. Yeah, yeah, it's on the oh, same just... playing field too, isn't it? Yeah, like ding, ding, you ding, know, ding, ding, get something with a bit of bite about it. Something that's yeah, like you said, the Bulls or the you know. The, Dragons but, the, but, the, but the interesting part of find with the Jazz is obviously because they originally went, were they originally in New Orleans or wherever they were? Jazz yeah. before the team got moved to Utah. You've got nothing to do with the Jazz. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not, yeah. But all of a sudden they were still, they kept that name. You're right. It just never really changed it. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Jazz for me. Yeah. No, the old Utah Jazz, not bad. But as I said, yeah, no, a few of those ones that I've found before that Zach put up before, and you take your pick any of them seriously. They're just ridiculous. But the one I thought was best was the Scottsdale Community College, the Fighting Artichokes. <laughs> I would like to see their emblem. <laughs> Zach, have you got that there? Like it was on that same article you were flicking through before. Was the second one? What? What? I'll show it to you. Scottsdale Fighting. The article college, I read. The article fighting. I read about them. Artichokes. It said no word in the English language is going to make a legume scary. There it is. The Scottsdale truth? Community College Fighting Artichokes. That's them. Cracking artichoke, too. <laughs> what yeah, is a, a what like what is a fighting artichoke? El Paso right. Chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah, the El Paso Chihuahuas. That's another one. The Akron Rubber Ducks. Akron Rubber Ducks. That's a bit on tribes level, that one. The Rubber Ducks. Rubber ducks. Yeah. yeah. Now there's been a few. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll throw a couple more out here quickly as well. There's been a few that I've seen around, so I'll go Australia. The, the, the Dapto Canaries, a rugby league team, I believe. And there's a couple that always – so when I worked uh, in – Obviously, local journalism here. Some of the names of some of the teams in the Steve, you know, a few of these obviously have been played in it. In the Darling Downs Rugby Union, yeah, the Water Rats, Chiller River Rats, the Water Rats, River Rats, River Rats. Rats. Never. What? How? Like when you're sitting there around there, as you said, and going, "Oh, well, what? What will we call ourselves? Or what name will we use?" And you come up with Water Rats, and yeah, same thing. I. A water rat synonymous with Oki, uh, sorry, with Warwick or something, or? I don't know. They'll probably, probably dunk a couple in the bucket. Get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So, what is it? Yeah. Is it Kingaroy Red Ants? Um, is, is there echidnas? Come on, Yeah, Roma, Roma echidnas. Roma echidnas. Yeah, the uh, St. George Fiddle Condomine Cods. Condomine Cods, yeah. Condomine Cods. Yeah. Yeah. River Rats. Um, USQ Gatton Black Pig. There's some, there were some good ones. There were some, there were some, yeah, some different names out there. I'll give you the red eye. But yeah, sort of thought. So, what about is there any that are fitting that are like really good sporting names? You thought, oh, that's yeah, yeah, right one. yeah. I like, always like the Milwaukee Brewers, <laughs> it's the capital, capital beer, beer town in uh, city in America. And fittingly, they're called the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers. Brewers. Yep. I've, I've gone with yep. a boxer. This is a ripping name, this one. 
Old Eric Ash, aka <laughs> Butterbean. <laughs> That's a doozy yeah. of a nickname, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it fit him well. Is it Joel Seavey? What's he got? The uh, the Muckadilla Mud Crabs. There's another one. Joel want to play for him. The Muck- Muckadilla yeah. Mud Crabs. It's a classic one. There you go. What, so, what, have you got any Steve? Any, any reckon really fitting Mountaineers? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> the Trojans. The Trojans. The, the Grey Cavaliers. Yeah, that's a good. That's a great name. They've 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 really done well with that. Buffalo Bills. Yeah, look at that. There's a there's a there's a few there. So, but you know, there's been a few over the years. As you said, but you just they don't really fit the bill. What about the Tall Blacks? That was. Yeah, they all try and jump on that little bandwagon, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, silver ferns. Not even very tall. That's their problem. Yeah. Stephen Adams at help. Houston Texans. Sort of pretty obvious, but not a bad one. So, right, let's have a look. So let's have a look at our um, at the Hogan's Family Jewelers Rocks and Diamonds of the Week. So some good and bad sports logos. We've rattled off a few there for you now. See if we can find a winner. This week, mm. I don't know what to do this week. I'd like a few that aren't really at my sort of odds, so we can't really go there. Who wants, who's got a winner for us this week? I think I think, I, th- I think your fans would just want a winner from you, mate, eh? I don't think they'd really care too much about the odds. They just want you to produce a winner for once. I'll try. So if you got no, one, I, I, just, I just can't bring myself up, to anything under. What do we got? Who's, who's got a winner for us? Oh, okay. Go, Troy. Gold, what do we got? Gold Coast. Uh, where are we going? The Guineas race eight. Gonna stick with where are we? Number number ten. Exhilarates. Yep. First up. I like the six dollars. It's good odds. I think the favourite. I think Command and Con- yeah, Command and Conquer's the favourite in the race at three ninety. Exhilarates at six bucks. Got to come from fifteen, but I think I'll worry it. First up, what's it like first up? Loves the Gold Coast. Two for one, exactly, James. Three for two wins and a third at the coast. So, exhilarates for me. Six exhilarates. bucks. All right. Joel, what are you running with? Uh, well, I was going to back, um, I was going to tip Tumba Race 5, number two, Headspace. It's 340 when I wrote it down before. I've just looked, it's about $2 something now, I think. So, if you're going to take them odds, I'll be tipping this thing. Uh, King of Leogrance in Flemington Race 6, number two, King of Leogrance. Uh, we haven't seen the best of this horse yet. In the Adelaide Cup, it was just phenomenal. And um, it'll be thereabouts in the Melbourne Cup, I reckon, this year. King of Leogrance, it'll just demolish these. $2.40. Get the house on. Wins the Ramsden. It gets the golden ticket into the Melbourne Straight Cup. Straight in. Straight into the Cup. Steve, winner? Something? Yeah, I do. I got a special this week. Uh, <laughs> the Gold Coast Race Four, the benchmark seventy-two, up fourteen hundred meters. Lashoni has had a couple of, uh, oh, yeah, Bailey Norton's aboard, and it's had a couple of um, tune-ups. <laughs> what are you trying to say, man? Step up to fourteen hundred. Oh, and you can tell when a horse just gets dropped out the back, and they truck truck home pretty well. Bit of bad luck, you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah lucky running. Just couldn't find a run a few yep. times there, okay. but 
I think this will be a say. It's uh, it'll drop back there, but on on um, feature race days at the Gold Coast, you often you want to get out wide and swoop home. So can change. So for some reason it just changes there on feature days, uh, and this will be doing that. And it'll get home pretty hard. So um, happy to be on its back at eight dollars fifty. I think it's a good bet. Yeah, eight fifty, mate. Too. Nice one. Lashoni at the Gold Coast. All right, I'll go. Uh... Oh. I tipped this one a couple of weeks ago. It let me, or I shouldn't say it let me down, but if you bet each way, it didn't let you down, but I don't, so it did let me down. It's uh, Flemington Race 7, number 5, Super Titus. Steps up to the, uh, the 2,000-metre event here at Flemington. Goes quite well at Flemington as well. I said it's a couple of runs leading up would be have been good for, uh, for a race like this. So I think... The favourites, dead set airborne, that rupture. be very, very mm. hard to beat. But, yeah, hopefully this can – hopefully there's enough speed in the race and big Flemington straight super Titus can get to the outside and it can win the race. So that's what I like. So I'll be on it. Super Titus, Flemington race seven, number five. All right. That's our look at our winners for this week or hopefully – Hopefully. There we go last I, week. No good. No good. Uh, second. Four on second, mine. Mate, it's not a win job. It's still open for mate. <laughs> mate, it's it's a it's a cash back race. Can't be cash back each one. Cash back race. No, no. The only way you can cash back, back. you're only gonna go a dollar and two first, a place. No, no. Race one. First four first six races or whatever it is. Cash back. Right on. What's on this cash weekend? Back. Golf, we're back at the foursomes. Yeah, Sunday. We're in. Who's, who's, who's playing? Myself. on the old pool noodle classics. <laughs> I tell you what, you ought to score 50 points to be a chance. You ought to score 45 plus to finish in the top 10. Now we've got myself, Steve, uh, Nathan Suzolka. The and, goal. The yeah, and, and Tiger Woods himself, Trevor Grieve. I was talking to the gong. He's, uh, he's icy speed up again. <laughs> and he is ready to roll. He reckons he can play 36. <laughs> he went around like, he, he went around last week with Tiger, uh, Trevor, and, and yeah, just was witness to another uh, scintillating display from uh, Tiger Grieve. He's yeah. going unbelievable, that bloke. How's Tiger Grieve going to go on the noodles on in play? Oh, mate, he eats them up. Don't worry about him. He, he's he'd be fine. He loves them. So yeah. So back to the foursomes with golf. So that's on Sunday. So we'll be out there, yeah, doing that. So that's that's what. And hopefully we can find a winner or two as well for you there as well. Right. That wraps up the show. That's been really good. So it's great to have Brad Newley on board. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget next week as well. We'll play Jag the Joker again. So a chance to win more money there at the Southern Hotel. Actually, next week our guest as well. Uh, he's already lined up. Good to go. And if you want to listen to a really good podcast, if you listen to uh, Michael Witt featured on a podcast with. Um, it's called Rugby League Guru. Yeah, really, really, really interesting to listen to. And he's always had the idea to want to get Mick on the show. And anyway, yes, yeah, so on to that. And I uh, yeah, was talking to him last night. And he's keen. He'll come on next week. So I'll have a chat to him. Pretty incredible. Again, just talk about local guys from our area who uh, have done great things and, and achieved uh, a lot from uh, from Toowoomba. So to talk to him. One of the most humble blokes going too, isn't he? 
yeah, so to learn about what he did through the NRL, what he did in Super League, uh, played rugby, all of those sort of things as well, and 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 yeah, and some of the players that he played with. And if you, if you listen to that podcast, as I said, which I recommend you do, you hear some uh, some pretty incredible stories. So he'll be our guest on the show next week to get us in the mood and ready for uh, round one of the NRL. Or, no, sorry, not round one, round three or whatever. Anyway, three. Result, yeah, resumption of the NRL, which will be a uh, a week later. So thanks, boys. Awesome, nice to chat. So we'll catch you all next week on The Semi-Pros. Thanks for tuning in. Just, just about do, mate. Uh, surely. There you go. That's outstanding. That much talent running around in our own backyard. Ladies and gentlemen, The Semi-Pros. The Semi-Pros. Ladies and gentlemen, you're